Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Courtney Snyder, a physician and holistic adult and child psychiatrist. In this podcast episode, I'm sharing my thoughts about psychiatric medications. When people reach out to me for a consultation or treatment, they often assume that because I am a holistic psychiatrist that I'm opposed to psychiatric medications. So in this newsletter this week, I address this issue around meds, which I'll share here. Psych meds, beyond black and white thinking, 10 thoughts on the bigger picture. Though conventionally trained as an adult and child psychiatrist, I no longer prescribe medication. The focus of my work, now holistic and functional, and my continuing education for the past 10 years has been to identify and address underlying root causes of brain symptoms. I'm not opposed to psychiatric medications, and in fact, if someone reaches out to me who has especially severe symptoms and they have not been working with a psychiatrist who prescribes medication, then I will recommend that so that they can achieve a degree of stability and be able to benefit from the treatments that I do provide. I am glad that I no longer am in the position of having to weigh the risks and benefits of psychiatric medication, especially when it comes to prescribing to children. There are still many unknowns, including how altering neurotransmitter activity might impact the developing brain. I'm glad, too, that I'm not having to decide for an adult or child if the benefits of using an antipsychotic medication outweigh the risk of potential irreversible long-term side effects. A benefit, for example, could be saving someone's life, and the risk could be persistent involuntary movements of the mouth. If I'm prescribing a medication, it would be likely an antimicrobial, more often an antifungal, a mast cell stabilizer, or a prescription binder. Still, the topic of psychiatric medications come up regularly, whether it's understanding someone's previous responses, which can inform me about potential root causes, or it's a disagreement between parents when one feels strongly about functional approaches and the other is adamant about medication. These treatments are not in conflict and can be used in parallel. Now with that context, number one, Associations are not the same as causation. The other day I heard an integrative doctor say that those with Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease are 300 times more likely to be on an antidepressant. She stated more than once in a short video clip that people choosing to be on antidepressants should be given this information. She seemed to infer that antidepressants cause Crohn's disease. She wasn't expressing curiosity about why there would be such a strong association. She wasn't expressing a recognition that those who have autoimmune disorders, which Crohn's is, are more likely to suffer from depression, as both conditions share similar roots, such as inflammation. The higher incidence of depression and anxiety would make it more likely that those with Crohn's thus would be on antidepressants. Lastly, there was no mention of the research showing a decrease and relapse rates of the condition in those with this inflammatory bowel disease. Number two, it's easy to criticize and think something is all bad without offering other solutions. 
Recently, someone told me their former psychiatrist, who is a holistic psychiatrist, had them discontinue their antipsychotic and mood-stabilizing medications, the one that had brought them to a level of stability. Likely, because the root causes were never identified and addressed, their symptoms returned. Because of the severity of their symptoms, they had to be hospitalized for their safety and for stabilization. I would like to ask doctors who are adamantly opposed to psychiatric medications and really anyone judging or criticizing a person for being on meds, what should the person do instead? Number three, while lifestyle changes and psychotherapy are very important, they're often not sufficient when someone's symptoms are especially severe. Imagine you're psychotic, manic, severely depressed, or have severe fatigue and or brain fog. Imagine trying to shop and cook healthy meals, maintain an optimal sleep schedule and exercise routine, and apply the tools you're supposed to be learning in therapy. Most of us, even when we're feeling pretty decent, would be unable to do this. Number four, if medications can save lives, help relieve suffering, allow someone to continue to function, keep their job, care for their children, and so forth, and even allow them, if possible, to address the root causes so that they can eventually be off or on less medication, why wouldn't we want that? Number five, yes, big pharma is a problem, but big pharma is actually providing some benefit for some people. And yes, there is overprescribing of psychiatric medications, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some who are actually needing those medications. Despite the insistence of our culture, we actually can hold two seemingly opposing thoughts at the same time. It doesn't have to be that psychiatric medications are all good or all bad. Number six, what about the research that says psychiatric medications aren't helpful? I would argue that certain psychiatric medications are helping certain people. We are biochemically diverse. Research doesn't account for that diversity. If you give SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, to 100 people with depression, those who are undermethylated are the most likely to respond. When researchers are looking at a group of people with depression, that group includes people with undermethylation, copper overload, pyrrole disorder, mold toxicity, mast cell activation, autoimmunity, and more, and varying combinations of these. If someone tells me they have benefited from a medication, I believe them, even if I also believe that identifying and addressing the deeper roots can be beneficial and without medication side effects and would likely improve their overall health. Obviously, given what I do, I wish everyone could do this, but that doesn't mean that's the right path for everyone. Number seven, many people that I've seen who come to me on medication express concern that they can't get off medication even when appropriately tapered. The body and brain can become dependent, especially on benzodiazepines. But more often, I suspect the same symptoms for which the medication was started are simply returning when the medication is discontinued. Again, because the root causes are still there. Add to this the evolving understanding that medications may be helping for reasons that go beyond their original intent. 
which is to target neurotransmitter activity. Most psychiatric medications have antihistamine effects. High histamine, which is common, especially in those with undermethylation and or mast cell activation, can impact mood, attention, and energy. There's also evidence in lab research that many SSRIs and antipsychotic medications have antifungal effects. This could be important as candida and mold appear to be very common in those with brain symptoms. Number eight, getting to the root causes by seeing a functional psychiatrist is not necessarily accessible. There are very few of us practical. There can be a number of treatment steps involved compared to taking a medication. Financially possible, as it is relatively expensive. So again, it can be easy to say you should try to get to the root cause, but that's not necessarily easy or even possible or even desired by everyone. Just like our biochemistry is diverse, so is how much attention we want or can give our health. Number nine, we can all benefit from resisting black and white, all or none, good or bad, thinking that our... Number nine, we can all benefit from resisting the black and white, all or none, good and bad thinking our culture prescribes, whether it's about psychiatric medications, COVID vaccines, or endless other topics. We really can embrace the mantra, it's complicated. Only then can we get somewhere, which in this case is growing a better understanding of brain conditions so that more doctors can provide more options. Number 10, I like to think that whatever the issue, most of us are doing the best we can, given what we know, what we've experienced, and our current circumstances. As we weigh decisions for our health and our families, the best we can do is seek input from our doctors and try to be as informed as possible about our options. We can take all that information to our own inner wisdom to decide what makes sense for us, what is possible, what is practical, and what is fitting with our deeply held values, all of which can change over time. The more we can do this, the more the judgments and opinions of others can fade into the background. My hope for anyone listening or reading is that you be surrounded by people who can listen well so that you can hear yourself. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get the text and audio for these weekly posts directly into your mailbox, consider subscribing at CourtneySnyderMD.com or on Substack. Until next time, take care.